A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. Welcome to Fishers and Farmers, Neighbor to Neighbor, a program that's focused in on various watershed projects happening all around the Upper Midwest, collaborative projects that are bringing farmers, landowners, and their community leaders together all for water quality. Today, we're headed to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and the Middle Cedar River Basin. It is a big watershed project covering 1.5 million acres and covering parts of 10 counties in eastern Iowa, including metro areas like Cedar Rapids, Waterloo, and Cedar Falls. Fishers and Farmers, Neighbor to Neighbor, brought to you in part by Fishers and Farmers, as well as Saddle Butte Egg. We'll catch up with T.J. Cardis from Saddle Butte Egg in just a little bit. First, let's focus in on the story of the Middle Cedar River Watershed Project. Back in 2008, you may recall that flooding of a catastrophic nature impacted the Cedar River and Cedar Rapids. Persistently high nitrate levels followed and have been key drivers to conversation in developing the Middle Cedar Partnership Project that started in 2015. Mike Kuntz, Utilities Environmental Manager at the City of Cedar Rapids, took a look at some of their nitrate levels and decided it was time to start asking questions, moving out to the countryside to listen, and building bridges, many of which have turned into productive partnerships with businesses in Cedar Rapids. Mike tells us a little bit about the problems he identified back in 2015 and how he basically got the project moving forward. Oh, you're you're absolutely right, Pam. We, we started looking at this and just what we call the Middle Cedar Watershed. It's like one, it's like two million square acres. You know, it's huge. And how are you going to, how do we attack that size? You know, how, how is this going to work? And so, yeah, we, so that's why we had to start, we had to figure out, find out who's doing some work in that area and pare it down to a smaller bite-sized piece of the watershed so that we could start seeing what kind of an impact we might be able to have. And that's where those already established uh, projects that were going on, like uh, the Miller Creek Project, they were already established and doing some great work. Our approach was, well, you know, we've got to start somewhere, and how can we do that? And so that, that those established projects were smaller and and, you know, there were five Huck 12s, and that's like, I'm talking, you know, 100,000 acres. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's at least a smaller area to start working in. And so that, that's how we sort of got involved. We were able to come alongside the Miller Creek Project and, and um, figure out a way that we could work with them uh, and, and bring resources to help, help them do their work, really. That was our role. So. Yeah. Sometimes when city or county officials start showing up, Landowners get a little sheepish or might be a little more reserved. What kinds of common bonds did you find between the city and landowners, farmers in the watershed? And what kinds of common understandings, namely the fear of regulation, what did you start noticing? Oh, yeah. Some of our in- initial meetings, they, they were interesting. You know, we, we would come up and uh, we would come to a meeting and we, we'd start talking about um you know who we were. We're from the city of Cedar Rapids. You know we 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 treat water and we serve so many citizens, and we're interested in in working with you in the watershed. 
and um, and sometimes if I, you know it was a little uh, let's say cautious <laughs> cautious you know uh, uh, approach to to meeting us and talking with us I think um, because um, sometimes we get statements like well. Uh, you can't tell me that nitrates leaving my my farm up here have anything to do with your water problems, can you? And you say, well, you know, we just want to talk about it. Maybe, maybe not. But look, let's open the dialogue. We do know there's some practices that that help us with our nitrate problem down in Cedar Rapids that that might be coming from the landscape. You know, so just trying to have an open and honest talk about. You know, yes, we're here to talk about. The, the water quality of the Cedar River and the fact that there's some nitrates in there, but we're here to join the effort. I mean, we're, we're not trying to, you know, we, we, we want to, we don't want to point fingers at you and put, we just want to come talk about it. We, we want to understand your perspective and we want to show you ours and we want to figure out if there's a way that we can work together uh, for water quality issues like nitrate and also water quantity issues. And so uh, we're really here to learn. We really want to know, you know, what factors, you know, are important to you uh, here on the ground, on the farm, and then we just want you to have a perspective of, of what we do and what we're trying to, to accomplish. So we really tried to keep that always front and center, this, this, this cooperation, cooperational approach. You know, and the nice part is it's kind of a win-win, Mike. I mean, yes, you've got regulatory requirements, but the farmers and landowners involved in the Middle Creek watershed largely are volunteers. They are being proactive, correct? Oh, yes, absolutely. We call them our uh, uh, farmer champions, the volunteers, the early adopters, the ones that are out there. Uh, that Some of them have been leading on the cutting edge uh, for a number of years, uh, and they're able to show some, some great success and some great return on their investment uh, for doing this type of farming, to doing doing this conservation farming, so yeah, they, those it's a voluntary effort on that side, and we're just trying to marshal more and more volunteers. You know, it sounds to me like you're kind of excited about this from a personal standpoint, Mike. Maybe tell people uh, when you were growing up, you wanted to be a park ranger, so I got to believe you getting a chance to get out there and uh, kick around uh, with some farmers and take a look at some of Iowa's landscapes, kind of nice. Oh, it's awesome. I grew up on a farm. I grew up with uh, uh, my grandfather and uncle's farming, um, my in-law's farm, and so I grew up around farming my whole life. I, I understand it to some degree. As a, as a youngster, though, I didn't realize the business side of it as much. But, yes, I love the outdoors. I love farm life. I've always been a hunter and a fisherman and um, love that. Uh, what a, a clean stream or a clean lake can provide for fishing opportunity, you know, what, yeah. what a healthy landscape provides for pheasants and for, and for deer. And even if I'm not hunting, I love to see them. And yeah. so, yeah, I am very passionate about that. I'm very fortunate to be in a job where I can do things to help me, to help foster uh, a, a great environment. And through some of your efforts, Mike, again, Mike Kuntz along with us, Utilities Environmental Manager at the City of Cedar Rapids, through some of your outreach, you've been able to reach an audience that you didn't necessarily expect, large agribusiness in Cedar Rapids. In Cedar Rapids, you know, we have large companies like Quaker Oats, like um, Cargill, like ADM Corn Processing, like Ingredion, uh, General Mills. And so one thing we're also... Uh, understanding and and working with those folks is like, hey, look, you know, this this comes full circle. 
you know, we're, we're trying to see if they have interest also in um, working with their agricultural supply chain uh, in the watershed uh, to work on conservation agriculture. So they're a big part of, of, the, of the puzzle, too. They are also a big part of, of the cooperative attitude that Cedar Rapids has. Uh, we are fortunate in that aspect that we are tied to agriculture, much tighter than maybe other communities might be. But that being said, an argument I like to make is, hey, you know, out here in Iowa, anywhere in the Midwest, anywhere in the Grain Belt, Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, uh, Illinois, Indiana, um, chances are we're tied. We, you don't have to go back very far at all, and we are tied together, agriculture and urban areas. We're tied together. We're all in it together. And, and we're not going to solve big problems without all of us pulling on the rope. Very true. That's Mike Kuntz. He is the Utilities Environmental Manager for the City of Cedar Rapids, a very unique watershed he's working with, the Middle Cedar River watershed, because it's big, it covers a lot of geography, and it involves metro areas like Cedar Rapids, Waterloo, and Cedar Falls. Now remember, a lot of the land within that watershed may be owned by people that don't live there. That poses a unique challenge when it comes to watershed cooperation. Uh, When Mike got started with his Middle Cedar Partnership Project back in 2015, he leaned on an established project that already had landowners engaged, the Miller Creek Watershed. We're going to talk with one of the farmer landowners in just a moment. Fishers and Farmers Neighbor to Neighbor is brought to you in part by Fishers and Farmers and Saddle Butte Ag. And joining us from Saddle Butte Ag, T.J. Cardis. You know, that's one thing about those metro areas surrounded by farmland, T.J., is there's a lot of absentee ownership. That means that they may not know what's happening on their land as far as practices. And uh, that can become kind of a challenge for these watershed projects. And you believe that making sure we're reaching those absentee landowners is really critical. Yes, Pam. I mean, that's a great point is that it is an asset to us. It's one of the most valuable assets that we've been granted in this life is good land and clean water, and they go hand in hand. But it's the respect to the land and taking care of it. So if you're a renter on a piece of ground, and what I start calling land is an asset versus just calling it land. I call it an asset. So if you're a renter, you need to protect that asset because that asset is making you money. If you are um, the landlord, you need to protect your asset. So the combination of two groups working together is great. And you might not know the guy down the stream a mile or 10 miles, but you still need to protect your part and do a better job on your part to help protect his part also. Yeah, and I like how these uh, watershed groups have come together as a community. You know, you you and I have talked before. Uh, collaborating with small groups of farmers on different projects can have a profound impact on larger chunks of ground that you'll never see. Right. So we get these small groups that start doing it, and they resonate a core group, and all of a sudden now there's the guy next to him starts doing it, and then 10 miles down the stream starts to do it because the guys upstream are doing it, and they're seeing the benefits from it. So once a group starts in an area, you see these spinoff groups come from it all the time, and it's all about one thing. It's protecting that valuable asset of that land and that clean water that we've been blessed with. So we have to take care of both of those. And then the beauty of it, Pam, is when all of a sudden you have a landlord walk in and say, you know what, 
I like what you're doing on my farm. I want to help take responsibility for this. How would I participate with this? Well, we need some drainage tile work We're done. Uh, you could pay for part of the cover crop seed. I have one group where the landlords pay for the cover crop seed and the producer pays for the application. So they're in together on this asset to make it a better farmable, livable, workable asset. You know, and for those people that are in a watershed area but may not be farming, are very kind of disconnected, they ought to be paying attention to these smaller projects because, to your point, it means cleaner water down the road for you, too. Absolutely. So, And I've had, I have dealers and I have people I work with down in that watershed area. And one of the big areas is Cedar Rapids. There's uh, There's a major company in Cedar Rapids called PepsiCo. We all know who it is. And their statement was, we need to clean the water up because they're having a hard time controlling the nitrate spikes in their products. They needed the water cleaned up. They needed to go back up the cedar and work on this. So one watershed really took the, the bull by the horns down there, that Miller Creek, and it spread to other watersheds. And the NRCS people and SWC government people got involved. So everybody really got involved. And then these landowners that were not, you know, just renting their farms, maybe they don't even live in the area. They might live 500 miles away started to take notice on what other people were doing on those farms, and then they wanted to be part of it. So it really spun into a bigger and bigger group all the time of wanting to participate with this. Well, and I still think it really does remind us, as you point out, it is an asset, and it is our responsibility. Nice to have, but it is a responsibility. Right. It, it's like when you give a kid his first car at 16. You explain to them that's a responsibility you have just taken. You got a license, that's one thing. Now you have the car, that's a responsibility. Everybody you put in that car, you're responsible for. Everything we do on a piece of farm ground, we're responsible for. If it's a herbicide application, if it's over application of nitrogen, if it's over application of phosphorus, we are responsible for everything we do out there because it affects the environment. And sometimes it affects at times one, sometimes it affects at times ten, depending on what happens. So we have to be responsible as farmers as landowners, as a general community to each other. Like you said, TJ, look at it as a resource. That means that everybody, the owners, the renters, the community, has to be involved in its management. Appreciate it. TJ Cardis along with us from Saddle Butte Ag, one of the sponsors of Fishers and Farmers, Neighbor to Neighbor. You want to find out more, go to saddlebutte.com, or you can also Google Biotill or 360 Forage. Now let's talk to some of the farmer landowners that have been involved with projects with Mike Kuntz as well as the rest of the Cedar Rapids community, like the Miller Creek Watershed. That's an established watershed that really helped usher in the bigger project of the Middle Cedar Partnership Project. Clark Porter's been involved from the very beginning, a farmer landowner himself that's seen his community change but has stayed engaged in the process. You know, part of the issue with the Middle Cedar is... Um, it's intensively farmed, and um, and and we also have urban areas, um, and and then with uh, Cedar Rapids uh, drawing its water from the alluvial plain of of uh, the Cedar River, then you know there's there's of course the whole issue of drinking water and and uh, for them, and uh, and then the Cedar being a major artery really of uh, within the eastern part of the state, you know it contributes a great deal to the to the upper Mississippi Basin and then on down to the Gulf. And the Gulf is what started all of this. <laughs> Iowa has something called a Nutrient Reduction Strategy, which is an attempt by Iowa to um, meet the um, nutrient pollution concerns of the Gulf. And, uh, and they 
growing problem with the dead zone um, in the Gulf of Mexico. And that, uh, that was initiated almost a decade ago now um, and uh, um, is, uh, um, you know, directed towards a 45% reduction in nutrient pollution. Mm-hmm. How do you get farmers or landowners, for that matter, to wrap their arms around such a big issue. So much land so far away. I'm just a little speck compared to everybody else farther down the channel. How do you how do you get them to get engaged in the process, Clark, and put skin in the game and actually put processes in place? Well, um, the uh, I think I think the the first thing to do is is sort of communicate, um, you know, and, and, and listen. I mean, we gotta, we gotta lead by listening. Um, if, if a farmer expresses or shows any, you know, interest in taking care of their own land, then they're often the same people that are interested in taking care of, um, the rest of the planet for everybody else. Uh, they, you know, there's a, people want to leave a legacy. Uh, people, uh, there is a growing concern about soil health, and uh, soil health fits very well with water quality. I mean, whatever we do to improve the health of the soil, we improve the health of our water, and and so uh, we usually approach the conversation um, that way. You know, I think sometimes cover crops have become a, a kind of an avenue towards further conversation about water quality and things we can do, like put in a wetland or put in a saturated buffer, uh, you know, um, oftentimes people start with cover crops. Um, um, it seems to me sometimes like cover crops are sort of the gateway drug to other con- conservation, <laughs> but, um, and that's great. Um, and, and even if people just have with cover crops, as far as water quality is concerned, that Cover crops, uh, if managed well, can reduce the uh, nitrate um, uh, contribution to nearby streams by 45%. So um, that in and of itself is, can often be an effective measure. Um, but we, of course, are trying to kind of double down as much as we can with lots of edges. Sure. What's- but yeah, that, yeah, communication, you know, it's, it's, it's a slow process. I don't think this can be done without developing relationships and trust. And without a sense of community within a watershed, uh, and it's unusual or unique for watersheds to be the organizing principle for a community of people, right? I mean, we we tend to draw straight lines, uh, fence rows, counties, city city uh, uh, limits, um, and most governmental entities and organizational structures are sort of um, you know within those square spaces. But watersheds are these irregular patterned things that flow through and around and under and unfortunately sometimes over all of us and and they draw people together um, it, by a, a common concern about that. But it, you have to sort of develop communication networks or some kind of a coalition among a variety of decision makers and get trust going and a sense of community going between everyone in order to really have an effect. And so I think what farmers really need is a kind of a sense of belonging to a group that they can trust so that we can step forward to address this issue. Um, I, I, you know, I have to mention it um, as, as much as I, as I believe this is primarily an ethical and um, 
you know, an ethical concern and a sense of, you know, and that there has to be a sense of community. We also need resources, you know, of people, money, time, machinery, you name it, in order to uh, um, get these projects actually on the ground. And Cedar Rapids and the state and other entities, Department of Natural Resources, the, the uh, you know, as I mentioned, Department of Agriculture already, uh, Natural Resource Conservation Service, where they partner with us on a lot of projects where the state pays for part, they pay for another part. Farm Service Agency, the, all of these organizations are involved in sequestering the funds and being able to channel this, uh, you know, these resources towards actual projects. And uh, it, you know, can't get done without that. The next thing I want to say is that we're at the very, very beginning stages of this. I feel that um, we've yet to really see uh, the power of community that we could develop in, in watersheds. It's just beginning. And I think that uh, um, farmers perhaps are, they're used to being part of certain communities, um, but, you know, by, the, by its very nature, rural life is outside of a community kind of, you know. So this is a little unique for all of us farmers to kind of consider that our land is part of a community. <laughs> um, but uh, I think that's, that becomes a growing awareness. And, and like in the case of Miller Creek, we have an advisory board with partner farmers, and these people are friends with each other, and they all share the watershed, and they're all committed to the helping what, what ends up off their fields and downstream. And uh, they certainly have developed a sense of community, and that's how it's going to work. And I think then finally we have to develop a kind of a broader sense of community uh, with the land and, and uh, you know, with the water, with people we'll never even see. Uh, but we need, we need to have this, uh, this sense of belonging and responsibility. I'm quoting an author by the name of uh, Kimmerer. Um, uh, she wrote a book called Braiding Sweetgrass here recently. Um, and... Uh, she said uh, in her book, I'm going to paraphrase it, but she says, we're, we're accustomed to seeing land come with a bundle of rights, you know, right to access, right to use of it, et cetera. But we also have to think of land as coming with a bundle of responsibilities. And I think uh, that is developed in a sense of community. And so I'm, I'm really excited to see how that will change as the years and decades go forward. A sense of community. That's Clark Porter, one of the landowners involved with the Blackhawk Creek Water and Soil Conservation, also watershed coordinator with the Miller Creek Watershed Project. He's also connected with the Iowa Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship, keeping the communication lines open between regulatory agencies. Those fellow landowners, those fellow renters that also hold a responsibility when it comes to these watershed projects. And like he said, we really are just beginning. Today, focused in on Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and the Middle Cedar River watershed. Like I said at the very beginning, it is a big watershed, covering nearly 2 million acres involving 10 counties in eastern Iowa and metro areas that are paying very close attention to land and water management on those rural farmlands, Cedar Rapids, Waterloo, and Cedar Falls. My thanks again to Mike Kuntz, the Utilities Environmental Manager for the City of Cedar Rapids. 
Also, Clark Porter, the owner of Porter Family Farms and one of the founders of the Black Hawk Creek Water and Soil Coalition, continuing with his outreach efforts to fellow farmers, landowners, and community partners as their watershed continues to move forward. That will do it for this edition of Fishers and Farmers, Neighbor to Neighbor, brought to you in part by fishersandfarmers.org, as well as our friends at Saddle Butte Ag. Thank you again to T.J. Cardis for swinging by with his perspective on the responsibility that land brings with us. For more details on Saddle Butte, you can go to their website, saddlebutte.com, or just Google Biotill or 360 Forage. Remember, you can listen again to any of our Fishers and Farmers Neighbor to Neighbor program by going to fishersandfarmers.org. And they'll also keep you posted on any upcoming field events, webinars, or interactive meetings that are scheduled for the Upper Midwest involving our watershed projects, those farmers and landowners engaged in its management. That's this edition of Fishers and Farmers, Neighbor to Neighbor. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you again to Mike Kuntz from the city of Cedar Rapids and Clark Porter for their time helping to share the message of watershed management, volunteer efforts all across the upper Midwest. My name is Pam Yonke. Enjoy your day.